0: welcome to the third oblong desk podcast i'm noakes and joining me to have a look at the tracks on now 23 is john tyndall hi john
1: hello there yes uh i was thinking i know sometimes it happens <laughs> yeah. but uh, in the olden days i used to do a show in the middle of the night and you kind of knew when people were listening it's like because we record this you know normally in the afternoon and so it kind of has that Afternoony vibe, I suppose. But people could be listening to this at any time of the day and in any situation. I just thought, that's really weird. And what were the results? Well, of me thinking about that.
0: No, no, I mean, have, have you have you had a look or, or do the stats not tell you that?
1: Oh, no, you can't find out when people oh, have downloaded this, but they, they just download things and then they could be in the bath. I don't like to think of people listening to me in the bath. It's no, ugh. it's a bit so, weird. So-
0: but they can tell us, so the listener can tell us. So um, why not? let them know how to get into it
1: right well as usual, you can tweet us at the oblong desk drop us a line there we can also uh receive your messages on our website that's oblongdesk.podbean.com and new for this time we now have a facebook page as well hey. which you can search out well you know i thought about going down all that sort of uh, youth market to get the the youth audience that listen to podcasts and i thought oh, i don't want to be on snapchat and bebo and myspace TikTok. and all these kind of, yes i'm not doing one of those so we'll stick with facebook we know our audience and you're all the kind of people who won't be wanting to dance along to these things at least you won't want to video yourselves doing it that'll be awkward
0: anybody got in touch since the last one we did and uh, is there any updates on uh, what we were talking about last time
1: so yeah things that have come up since last time main thing was that you know we couldn't remember the third member of carter
0: oh yeah it was
1: jim bob fruit bat and we called him ken now that's not really very fair him. <laughs> his name was actually wes oh. which is they were two pieces to start with he joined them a bit later on and he ended up banging the drums
0: oh right but, you know was he not called something part, else, though? Was he fat Wes, I'm sure he was fat something, wasn't he?
1: Well, he might have been fat. And then his brother joined, and then someone else joined. And they just, they just kept on gathering members until they eventually um, got rid of them all again. <laughs> it's now back to just Jim Bob and Fruit Bat. So enough. There you go. Potted history of Carter. We, we don't like to leave any loose ends. Um, in the post bag, I had a, a message from a teenager who said, When I was a few months old, my dad took me to a garden centre to meet pop star-turned-gardener Kim Wilde. Oh, really? Yes. I don't remember anything about it, obvs, and I think he was using me as an excuse to get chatting with her. He's bare weak sauce in it.
0: Great. Well, I mean, there's no answer to that, really, is there?
1: There isn't, because I don't know what bare weak sauce in it means. It it doesn't sound great, does it? Probably
0: an insult, or as we used to say in our childhood, a diss.
1: Sounds like you shouldn't go and meet Kim Wilde in a garden centre if you want to try and impress your teenage son.
0: There you go. So you've learnt something today, listener. As Alan Partridge might say, there's more to now 23, Dan this. so um, that leads me neatly into some facts about the album that we're going to review on Oblong Desk, so shall I uh, shall I rattle those off?
1: Oh, yes, please.
0: Uh, I always like to describe the cover. It's, uh, it's quite a dark cover, this one, with uh, the blocky Now logo whooshing towards you in a kind of, um, well, what's the, what's the word? A kind of spectrum of colours, I would say. A little uh, present from Ashley Abram to you, if you were buying it, um, on or after 16th of November 1992, because that's when it was uh, released. It contains 39 top chart hits. We've got 19 on the first disc, which is something we're familiar with by now, but 20 on the second, which means we've got our work cut out in this podcast, reviewing them all. There are three number ones present, not 100% record this time, but uh, the other two that could have been on here that weren't were Boys to Men and Whitney Houston, and I don't think. Well, certainly, certainly we don't care that they're not on there. They were Sony artists anyway, so they were never going to be on here. Um, the things to bear in mind with this one is there are five re-released tracks on this, three remixes or re-recordings. I've kind of lumped those together, and six cover versions. So um, in terms of original material, we've not got as much as we might have and there's a final appearance on here after six selections including the one they've chosen on this for in excess
1: right well we've got a lot to get through then so let's make a start with uh, Tasman Archer track one I blame you
0: That's Sleeping Satellite from Tasmin Archer, disc one, track one, on now 23. Not bad for a song that entered the singles chart at number 50 and uh, climbed fairly rapidly after that. And she was uh, going to be the next big thing around this time, wasn't she? So I can see why she bagged the uh, track one slot.
1: I really liked this at the time, and I still do like it. The issue I have with it is the subject matter of the song. And that is basically, she's going, grr, I hate you, NASA. Why did you fly to the moon? We should have left the moon well alone. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a contrary view, because most people think, you know, the space race and all that was a great thing. I've been to the National Space Museum in Leicester. It's well worth a day out there. And there's, you know, loads of fascinating things that we've got as a result of the space race. No problem with her having a rant at it. It's just, why did she wake up 20-odd years after this had all happened because people had been to the moon no one had no one had set foot on the moon at time recording for about 20 years so it just seems really strange she wakes up one morning and goes oh that's really getting my goat that is i'm going to write a song where i go buzz aldrin you were wrong i hate you grr
0: I've got two things to say to that. You're right about people having opposing views on space. I mean, after all, Vanessa Williams, only, what, one album ago, was claiming that the sun went round the moon, which is clearly nonsense. Point number two, is it about that or is it a metaphor, mate?
1: I don't know. I no me I'd always take it at face value that she was just really angry about the space. No, I think I heard an interview with her where she was genuinely saying that she thought that man should leave it alone. It was going to lead to the inevitable exploitation of the moon as a thing, and can't we just leave it there in its wonder and have some like wonder about the world? Well, okay. So I think she was genuine in her criticism, and, and obviously now mentor Donald has started talking about mining the moon. Maybe she was Maybe right. She was Maybe.
0: ahead of her time, but I think the prescient. The main thing is, it still sounds good to me. It's a good track, I think, even even now.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm very happy with it. Let's move on to track two. Yeah. then, And uh, the former uh, Miami Sound Machine member, John Cicada, has gone solo uh, with Just Another Day.
0: Yeah, another one that charted quite low, I think, initially, and then climbed fairly slowly into the uh, top five. Um, I I kind of like it, and it was only when attempting this on SingStar for the first time a few years back that I realised how complicated the song actually is. It's quite difficult to sing along to if you do the whole thing, particularly the um, kind of bridge bit towards the end where he's just essentially making noises.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I didn't like it at the time you know when you're a student you like younger louder angrier things and i think i just sort of dismissed this automatically mm. as a bit bland and middle of the road so coming back to it now and yes as you say with that appreciation of his abilities as a singer and a songwriter yeah i i can cope with it now it's still not my favorite song and it's still nowhere near as good as the uh Joyrest, Miami Sound Machine stuff that happened in the eighties.
0: I knew you were going to say that. I mean, it is definitely the best thing he ever did, which is unfortunate for us because we've got another one of his tracks coming up a little bit later on down the line, which won't be as interesting. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it uh, still sounds good, and you don't hear it as much as you used to on the radio either, which helps probably. Unlike track three, <laughs> which is one of the favourites of uh, what did we call them? Lung FM and uh, and lots of other similar radio stations. Um, Uh, Yeah, Charles and Eddie, Would I Lie To You? I mean, it was a number one hit. It it was on the album before it was a big hit. I think it was... uh, The sleeve notes say that it was at number 33 or something when it was selected. So um, another one of those where it was on there before it became massive and was a bit of a prediction from Mr Abram. But uh, yeah, I'd gladly never hear it again, really. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it particularly. It's just overdone overplayed
1: and is completely unremarkable i'm particularly not a fan of the it's a bit nursery rhymey and i don't see anything really in it to to lift it at the time or indeed now unlike this next one which is bonkers shall we play a bit of was not was
0: Four on now 23 shake your head by uh, was not was i believe is the correct way to say the band name though no one ever does cuz it sounds ridiculous no i never um, i never saw- and- <laughs> no i don't think anybody ever does that's a great tracker we loved that at urn at the time partly because it was on cd single which was a rarity for us then and and, and we didn't have to pay for it polydor sent oh, it oh that's to very us. good news yeah. i
1: think one of the reasons why cd singles were so popular at urn was because you used to have to actually physically put records on turntables and we only had two yep. turntables so that meant you could have a maximum of one thing to go to which meant that if something went wrong there was nowhere else to uh, kind of head so the uh, the advent of the CD single meant that you could then have two things queued up, which made it slightly more likely that you wouldn't be be left just sort of wondering what the heck to do when your needle skipped or when somebody walked in and fell over and landed on the uh, on the mixing desk and made your record jump and stuff. So we loved CD singles when they arrived. Uh, this track, I loved bits as well, still do. I think the idea of getting Kim Bassinger and Ozzy Osbourne together and having a little duet <laughs> who comes up with that and who makes it sound brilliant was not was did i'm still going to call them was not was although you're right the whole band name has to the was have to be pronounced differently otherwise it makes no sense does it
0: yeah exactly but um but no one does so let's
1: oh maybe i'll try from now on <laughs> no thing to do this week uh track five uh oh some some excellent rhyming schemes going on here bob marley and the Whalers. Iron, Lion, Zion. It's pretty much the only metal slash scary animal slash obsolete place combination that you can have is Iron, Lion, Zion. Um, I mean, there must be some more, but I'm going to mine copper like Dennis Hopper in A Happy Shopper. Yeah, well, that might work. Yeah, what do you reckon to the song? I'm, I'm never. I was never that bothered by it.
0: It's kind of all right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I think everybody knows that there was a bit of an industry around Bob Marley after he died. That was the fourth top ten hit after his death. And I now I looked this up and stupidly didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure he had either three or I think four top ten hits before his death. So he had at least as many afterwards as he did uh, beforehand. I just told you all you need to know really about. This the uh, the industry that sprung up and i think it was only I, I think it was only issued because there was yet another re-release of the legend greatest hits i think was the reason for that
1: yeah this is uh, it's it's quite a common thing isn't it when when people die is that people go through and trawl through the back catalogue and go oh we didn't release that maybe we can make a bit more cash out of that one um i mean it's not a bad track but if he didn't think it was good enough to uh, release during his lifetime i think more often more people should take that on board when they're thinking about what we can get out there after people have died. Uh, Still very much with us. Track six, Go West! Faithful.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bland stuff, really. Uh, They were at the uh, kind of back end of their career, really. They only had another couple of singles after this, I think, that, uh, that got in the charts. This one's all right. I mean, it's nothing to write home about. It's not particularly offensive. It's not particularly interesting either.
1: I wrote down when I was having a listen to it because you know I'd forgotten it I went and listened to it I wrote down six out of ten quite rightly forgotten yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> they did they did so many other better things and um, for it to be preserved on a now album no need
0: especially not this high up in the order I would say
1: definitely let's play something else now last time out listener you may remember that I had a teensy pop at George Michael Well, here's his good song.
0: George Michael and Too Funky, track 7 on Now 23, which we're reviewing on this edition of of Oblong Desk. Now, Mr Abrams spaced the two words apart, technically, because this is how it was shown on the uh, sleeve, and I think on the label of the record itself, it should be Too Funky, because it's one word, but I'll let that go. Um, This is one of those things that used to happen with the last Now album in the year, where they round up stuff that wasn't on the earlier ones in the year that either they couldn't license at the time or they didn't think was going to be a hit or they didn't have access to whatever this is one of those this reached number four back in june and yet here it is on the uh, the christmas now album it's a good song though i agree with you but i mean i i disagree that it's his only good song but it is a good song
1: yeah um i was i'm glad you cleared that up because i too looked at this and went no i remember too funky being all one word too funky um i really love everything about this and i as I say I'm normally absolutely opposed to George Michael and do you know what I think it is I think it is because particularly in his solo career there was so much earnest ballading and there was so overproduced if you ever listen to George Michael's songs listen out for the breaths that he takes he's so close to the microphone that every time he breathes in and there's so much reverb on it it's like And um, this one's not like that. This one is just like stripped back, back to that kind of faith vibe almost. And he's having some fun. He's not taking it seriously. And I really like it. And I think I really like it because it's just so anti George Michael's usual stuff. And good
0: news for George Michael fans, unlike John. Um, This was the end of his Sony contract, of course, and in future because his uh, label he went to was uh, affiliated with Virgin EMI. We've got tons more George Michael to come a bit further down the line.
1: Well, I'll look forward to that. And who knows? Maybe re-educated. Who can tell? Uh, Track eight, Arrested Development, People Every Day, uh, which I really didn't like at the time. I just found it a bit dull and nondescript and I've gone back to it and I like it a lot more now I think maybe you need to be in a, a kind of summery chilled out place and then it all kind of wafts over you a bit better but at the time I really really found the rapping annoying I found the uh, production annoying and I found the whole kind of monotonous thing about it just really dull but Time has been kind.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I've, I've counted this as one of the covers when I was reeling off the facts at the start because it is essentially a cover of Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone with some rap bits over the top. Um, I never really liked it, but I think everybody else at University Radio did, so I remember it doing quite well in our chart. The Hitlist Top 30. Should you be in any doubt as to what I used to do on the radio, that's what I used to present, the chart show, and it got to number two in our chart, uh, off the back of everybody liking it so much, but I never did, I still don't, I think it's probably the least interesting single they did out of, well, admittedly there aren't many of them, uh, of the three or four that they did.
1: Oh, good. Look what's on track nine. Look at that. It's Mick It's Simply Red. (laughs) Oh, great.
0: You loved it. Well, we've already covered this, haven't we, back in in the first one? Yeah. Um, For Your Babies, even more ridiculously than the George Michael track, this was a hit in February. It got to number nine. So quite why this is here so late in the day, other than someone going, oh, Stars, the album's been really popular. Let's stick another Simply Red track on. I would argue that you could have gone for Your Mirror, which only got to number seven. 17 unlike this one which was top 10 but was a better song
1: i don't want mirrors babies or anything else from simply red i really tried to find something nice to say but
0: but you can't no it is it is an immensely tedious song that i i really really dislike uh and i, I really wish it wasn't here let's move forward to track 10 take a little piece of my heart by irma franklin one of our re-releases
1: i really really like this we we have to thank levi's uh, for reviving this uh, it's a late 60s uh, it's probably motown isn't it? i should check these things before i open the mouth but
0: well she was uh, yeah she was a uh, aretha's sister so i assume so
1: yeah so uh we, we thank the jeans commercials of the early 90s they there was a big thing where levi's were doing stuff like this and Diet Coke they were taking old tracks and making them great again I really really love this one Uh, I'm so glad though uh, sometimes I go hey you should check this out on YouTube never ever go near the pull your ears off bad janice joplin version it is horrendous
0: i don't think i've heard that i mean i'm predisposed to hate janice joplin in general and i do because that kind of hippie stuff just doesn't wash with me um but uh, the dusty springfield version is very good however she she did she covered it um uh, i've got it on her best off somewhere um and as you would expect dusty's is very good
1: but yeah there we go and always nice to hear a bit of uh bit of old soul uh speaking of an old soul (laughs) track 11 Uh, brian may's back uh with too much love will kill you now as a scientist brian should know that too much of anything will kill you not just love it might be love it might be power ballads or it might be protesting about badger welfare too much of anything will do you in and this is definitely too much
0: wise words
1: he needs to stop right now you can absolutely hear in this who was intended to sing it, and who this song was written for? And that's uh, Mr. Mercury, obviously. It's it's so a Queen track. It's untrue.
0: It is, but w- and and we'll come to this later because the Queen version does turn up um, again further down the line. I'm really really plugging the future podcast episodes on this edition, aren't I? Yeah. Um, I actually prefer the Brian May version. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion, but I don't know why. I just do.
1: There feels like cashing in that's going on now. It's like Brian's slightly worried at this point that his future career and earnings may be in some jeopardy. And it feels like he's chucking some stuff out around now in order to kind of go, look, look, the Brian May is okay. I can still record. And oh, my poor friend who's dead. I I miss him so much. Will you buy my songs? There feels just a teensy bit of that about this release in particular
0: yes agreed but um it could be worse in terms of tracks on now albums because roger taylor was also releasing stuff around about this time so we should probably think ourselves lucky really
1: oh yes and there's nothing wrong with brian may's musical talents shall we no, say as,
0: as we as we've discussed before track 12 oh dear um alive and kicking by simple minds now do you remember why this was re-released
1: i have no idea but simple minds as far as i'm concerned can do one Tyndall's first law of music states that every band, no matter how great, has a Duff song in them, and every band, no matter how awful, has at least one tune. Simple Minds are squarely in the latter category, the horrible, awful bands, and this is not their good one
0: agreed we we've already gone past their good one we, we started at uh, now 21 so uh, belfast child which i know is the one you're referring to as the good one has been and gone in now terms it was on now 14.
1: i know so in that regard simple minds have no further need
0: i'll tell you why it was re-released though to come back to my point uh remember remember this thing where you'd go outside with 10 other mates and uh, kick a ball around and try and uh, put it through what they call a goal. Remember that? It was called football.
1: Um, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know it's a distant memory now, but there's a, there was also this thing called uh, the Sky Premier
1: League. Oh, that sounds like a good idea.
0: Yeah, and and remember, no football existed before that. So this was back in 1992 when Hmm. the Premier League started, and Alive and Kicking was the song they used for the advert. So that's why it was re-released. But it was released as a double-A side with Love Song, which being early Simple Minds is, in my opinion, I know you don't agree, much, much better, and should have been the song on here. Although no-one played it on the radio. Everyone just played Alive and Kicking.
1: I've just realised that at this period of time then, uh, when this was released for the Premier League that would have made Leeds champions of England there's a thing I wonder if that'll ever happen again
0: in perpetuity
1: in perpetuity we are we were the final <laughs> champions of the league championship of division one as it was well done and <laughs> yes yes I wonder if they'll let us keep the trophy we could use a trophy uh, track 13 this is strange.
0: Oh it's another Jeans advert song hmm. John Lee
1: Hooker and Boom Boom Um Boom Boom. I, I, I prefer more booms in my songs, you know. Do you? Maybe boom boom boom. Yes. Let me hear you say wayo. Although John Lee Hooker is unarguably a very, very brilliant blues guitarist this is the kind of thing that belongs on later with jules holland isn't it this song it's it you know, that, that kind of thing where he gets somebody on at the end and he, and he gets all his mates around and they kind of like jam away you can see him plinky plonking away on his piano uh, while well, they all smile and go, <laughs> we're great musicians, aren't we? Is anyone watching? I don't know I guess it on a now album. It
0: is utterly bizarre, and I think um, I think Ashley Abram and his pals did it just so they could say he's probably the oldest man ever to be on a now album. Well, that doesn't make it any good though, does it? i mean i I agree it. He's clearly a good musician. There's nothing wrong with with that. If you like his stuff, fine. But it doesn't sit well with the rest of the stuff here, especially especially track fourteen, which is an interesting juxtaposition and could have been the award we give for the song that just ruins everything. Which uh, I can't bring myself to name, so you'll have to.
1: Do that. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that one. That one's coming up because, believe it or not, listener, there is something worse than aching, breaky heart. Do you know what? Obviously, at the time, I hated it. And this is the kind of thing that you would expect to see in the final scene of the Dukes of Hazard when you know Roscoe's stopped a B-list country and western singer on a trumped-up speeding ticket charge, and then they've got to go and play in the Boar's Nest. We can dismiss this as god-awful novelty toss and it's not going to change anything about it. People are still going to shove it on at the end of discos and at weddings and stuff like that and line dance to it. I think we just have to accept it's here, it's bigger than all of us, and we can do nothing to change that and it will be here forever.
0: Yeah, I agree with that and uh, there certainly are people who would still enjoy hearing it so for that reason alone and the fact that it got to number two in the charts let's not forget it was a massive hit in the summer then um, I think it's fair enough that it should be here and as you said we'll we'll come back to our award for the song we don't think should be on here a little bit later on. (laughs)
1: Have you ever noticed George Michael breathing heavily in the corner of your living room? How do you pronounce the first was it was not was? And as the Premier League has been cancelled does that mean that Leeds are the best football team in the country by default? Actually ignore that but on musical matters feel free to leave your thoughts on Twitter on the Oblong Desk Facebook page or on the website oblongdesk.podbean.com Oral delights still to come include notes revealing strange habits
0: She's the only pop star i've ever met who i've witnessed shove chocolate
1: bars down her cleavage me getting very cross and it's having the warnock rammed so far up it that it'll hurt and we'll have a look at the artists who made it onto now 23 but now where else let's continue with the next track and some good honest yorkshire rock with a little angels written through it thing there um too much too young the little angels the yorkshire aerosmith <laughs> as i like to refer to them. they were uh, they're from scarborough originally and i absolutely adored this track and still do to this day there's just something really neat tidy old school about this that makes it really work for i
0: me. think it's all right yeah hearing it again i think it's it's not a bad rock track at all i mean there aren't many rock tracks on this one again uh you can't really count simple minds i don't think um and john lee hooker's more blues than rock so um yeah i think it it's kind of got its place here really I, the only thing i'd say is i was disappointed when uh, i think I'd, i don't, i not maybe i went out and bought this one for uh, urn back in the day um i remember being disappointed that it wasn't a cover of the special song That's the only thing against it, really. That might have been more amusing if they'd uh, covered the specials, but there you go.
1: I'm really glad they didn't, because (laughs) I think that would sound absolutely abysmal. <laughs> Where yeah, is this? You,
0: you, you're probably right. Um, it's uh, It was a pre release as well. So it was one of those that they were taking a punt on it. And he got to number 22. So not the most successful punt that's ever happened. And sadly, for Ashley Abraham, it didn't even meet his prediction that it would be, quote unquote, their biggest hit yet. Because it wasn't. But uh, never mind.
1: I think it's certainly their best song that they did. Um, I I'm really rather a fan of uh, Little Angels, and more people should have been go back now, listen to it, should dig it out. Certainly,
0: have been a bigger hit than Woman, 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 Kaiyaiyind, which was I pretty sure was their biggest hit. Not long after that,
1: yes, it's definitely better than that. Richard Marx is next. He's back for the second now album in a row, and uh, this time with a hit that isn't. Hazard. it's called take this heart i can't remember it and i was going to listen to it in the interest of research but then i remembered that i had to sort my carrier bags into alphabetical order by supermarket that they came from so i never got around well that to
0: sounds it. like a worthwhile exercise and certainly more so than listening to this because it ain't great it's it's the opposite of the previous song uh, you probably don't remember it but just don't bother skip it um track 17 is better though genesis jesus he knows me and that's you know it, it's not the first time that a um, sarcastic song about uh, preachers fleecing you for money has been recorded but i think it's quite entertaining
1: i'm not a massive fan of this i'm not a massive fan of most of what genesis do but what i do like about this and i think we may be in line for some ashley abram applause here Let's okay a bit of that. all right and the reason I'm saying this is because he's put this and the later Peter Gabriel track that we'll chat about, he's put them about as far apart as he could, even if you tried listening to Disc 2 first to try and fool him. It's almost as if he knows that Gabriel and Collins have to be kept apart from each other at all times. And so he's done that. So I, well ah, done, Ashley.
0: Uh, yes, I hadn't spotted that. That's a good spot. We've got some more A for Ashley Abram later
1: he's had a bit of a storming album but we'll yeah we'll come this
0: is this is one of his finest i have to say in terms of sequencing yes but let's move on to track 18 which is as uh, mentioned before the last appearance for in excess on the main now albums with baby don't cry which i think is a good track um it's off what for me is their best album it's a shame though that this was their last appearance when taste it came the following year and beautiful girl and both of them are better songs probably and weren't on now albums this is okay but it's a bit repetitive it goes on for about a minute too long
1: yeah i find this a bit strangely ploddy and mainstream for in excess you know when you think of some of the really interesting stuff they did with their songs some of the hooks that they had i mean obviously there's things like need you tonight this just find it a bit uninspiring.
0: I guess given that they were on the Virgin EMI group of labels they were always likely to get on here and it wasn't like he could have picked Heaven Sent because that only got in the 30s and also contains Michael Hutchins going ah, ah, and you can barely hear what he's saying. I, I mean I like Heaven Sent but it's a very strange song whereas Baby Don't Cry as you say is very traditional it's even got an orchestra in it which is a rarity for their songs.
1: Uh, also a bit ploddy and dull, track 19 the last one on the first disc crowded house are back again uh this time with it's only natural and yeah once more crowded house make a nice noise this is all right
0: yeah it's not the best i mean it's it's okay it's in the right place it's at the back end of disc one so you can just put the next one on if you want to avoid it uh, the best bit about it is the silly noises in the intro and then after those three or four seconds it's a bit dull really
1: You don't want to shoot your bolt (laughs) too early, do you, in a song? (laughs) Four seconds in. That'll do. Let's pop disc two into the Oblong Desk CD player and see what's uh, there. We've got, first of all, um, another re-release, Erasure. They are starting off disc two this time with Who Needs Love Like That, which is one of their very earliest songs remixed and it's called the Hamburg mix Um, and I think this is one of those examples of where a remix has really done a fantastic job
0: yeah, I think that's fair enough. It's um, it's quite sympathetic to the original, which, as you say, wasn't a hit. It only got to number 55. It's a little bit of tinkering. Uh, Vince Clark's been kept away from the Silly Noises button. And, you know, it's a decent enough song. And it was there, of course, to be a new track on their pop, the uh, first 20 hits uh, album that was uh, released in time for Christmas.
1: I like the song. I really, really like the remix of it.
0: And it was a pre-release again, though this was a nailed-on hit, so I don't think that was a, a particular difficult punt. It got to number 10, so it wasn't their, their biggest hit ever, but uh, it was always going to be uh, a big one for Erasure, and as you say, they've moved from track one on disc one to disc two for this one.
1: Ah, uh, right. I feel like we have a bit of a monster coming up now. Let's play track two. a
0: real so good, He's a geezer, he loves to muscle That's about the time to grab and shout the name of EZ. is, of course, a Good by The Shaman, track two on disc two of now 23 that we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk, and our third and final number one on this collection. And uh, I think it still raises a smile today, don't you think?
1: Oh, it's a storming song and an absolute classic of its time. There were, at the time, inevitably, because that's the kind of world we lived in, calls to ban it from the radio because it was about drugs. And The Shaman, I can remember them doing... I specifically remember the Radio 1 interview that it did. They did a load of others as well, where they explained that this chap, Ebenezer, good. No, he's just he's just a bit of a jack-the-lag geezer. He likes going clubbing. It's got nothing whatsoever to do with drugs. I don't know where you're getting that idea. And I think they may have done that just to basically make sure that it didn't get banned because uh, there would be inevitably people at the BBC going, well, we need to we need to take a stand on this kind of moral outrage. Many years later... I think it was uh, Colin who went on the uh, radio and said, what we all absolutely knew, yes, yes, it was about ecstasy. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, thank goodness you told me, Colin. Uh, But the damage was done by that stage, and it had already been a massive, huge smash, both nationally and, of course, at URM, where it was number one for donkey's years yeah we loved it
0: yeah we we loved it not surprisingly for a student radio station really and although they denied it because i remember asking someone from the radio station trent fm the local commercial radio station weren't playing it until they realized we were hammering it to death and then suddenly it appeared on their playlist
1: hmm Hmm. yes chasing that youth audience which we definitely cornered the market in
0: (laughs) yes the kids loved it and they also loved the next one. Well, maybe a bit. She says a love for me could never die. But that'll change if she ever found out about you and I.
1: 23 continues with rage and run to you the old brian adams song it's an interesting song to turn into a dance track and they've not done a bad job at all i don't think i'm always going to be more drawn to a guitar version of things uh, and i think the brian adams original is amazing it's certainly the best thing he ever did by a country mile but there's room for both of these tracks i think in this world Uh, it's, it's a good dance song.
0: I think it's fine. I mean, I remember I really liked it at the time. I was championing it on the radio. It was a hit list top 30, number one, though not a, an actual number one in the real world. I think maybe I got a bit overexcited playing it. But uh, yeah, um, they were actually called Enrage everywhere else in Europe, which kind of indicates that there was another band called Enrage Here. That meant they had to change the name. I've never heard of another band called Enrage, but... Um, no,
1: there was Entrance. There was okay. <laughs> Peter Andre. Peter Love.
0: Um, so this was another pre-release track, so it wasn't out when uh, the Now 23 album was released. And um, this singer on here, apart from the bit towards the end, where you get the you-need-to-show-your-feet-stop-for-nothing bit, that's actually from the same song that Snaps the Power used, actually, that bit. All right. The rest of the vocals were sung by Tony Jackson, who'd been a backing singer for the likes of Paul Young and Billy Ocean. And interestingly enough, later on, uh, went on to record another Bryan Adams cover version with a band called Q, just the letter Q. Uh, He did a version of Everything I Do in a dance style, which worked not quite as well and wasn't a top 40 hit, you'll be unsurprised to hear
1: and they weren't called nq in europe were they mate (laughs) no they were
0: just just q and um best fact of all tony jackson was also the singer on the famous ad for mbongo (laughs) you're stunned aren't you i can tell
1: (laughs) you know you don't expect often to be ever greeted with a fact like that i'd always thought that the umbongo advert was sung by animals
0: well um sorry to spoil that illusion but twas a man <laughs> called tony of all of all people let's um, right. let, let's move on to the next one which uh, which I, I haven't got quite as many interesting facts on track four i'm going to get you by bizarre inc featuring angie brown
1: I've got very little to say about this other than Dan's fodder, never really liked it. Uh, but i tell you what is bizarre ink. You can get pens now mm. that rub out. Remember when we were at school, if you, if you made a mistake in pen, that was it. Yeah. And they used to sell those rubbish erasers that they said And they never free. worked. Yeah, I remember. So now you can get pens where on the other end, they've got a little thing and you rub out and it actually works. And that is bizarre ink. But you can't put them in photocopiers. And I did this with uh, a student's uh, work that I got given to, I'll just go and photocopy that, won't you? Because it basically works on heat. The heat from the photocopier made all the ink disappear. <laughs> so I put this, put this essay in the photocopier to photocopy it. And then like the sheet of paper came out completely blank at the other end with nothing on it. And I was like, what the hell's happened here? It's not the original out and the entire essay had gone. So warning kids, don't do your essays in those uh, rub-outable, erasable pens because then your work will go forever. A valuable lesson learnt.
0: Now that's magic. So it was Angie Brown who sang this one with Bizarre Inc but the original was, uh, it's actually not a direct cover but they took most of the um, lyrics and the song from Jocelyn Brown and one of her old tracks Love's Gonna Get You. Um, So there's a little fact for you. Another quick fact um, in my previous life as a radio presenter who got paid uh, to talk nonsense on the radio, I also did a few road shows in my time and I met Angie Brown and she is absolutely bonkers. She's the only pop star I've ever met who I've witnessed shove chocolate bars down her cleavage. So there's one for you to take away.
1: Excellent. Mars bar boobs, that's what I'm going to call her now.
0: <laughs> yes, that, that, thanks for that. And uh, we've had two in a row by acts who were only ever on one main Now album, which brings me neatly to our Now Where Else feature. Which is. Yay! which is what these two qualify for in the case of Rage they only ever had one hit anyway but Bizarre Inc as you probably know had a few more but they weren't compiled by now so there are a uh, bumper 13 of these on this album who appeared nowhere else uh, only 5 of which were one hit wonders so in order they are Charles and Eddie Was Not Was Irma Franklin John Lee Hooker Billy Ray Cyrus The Little Angels Rage Bizarre Inc Undercover Doctor Spin Ambassadors of Funk uh, Little Known Pop Combo ABBA and beyond again
1: what is that a third of the album uh yes it is exa- exactly a third it's exactly a third i do like it when the maths all fall into place here's an act who actually appeared on the very first now album way way back in the day and they are back with a remix of one of their earlier hits it's heaven 17. step by step day by day, there are counts i can break
0: That's the Brothers in Rhythm remix of Temptation by Heaven 17 track 5 on disc 2 of Now 23 and it was the original version of Temptation that as you said John was on the very first Now album in 1983. This was another pre-release wasn't out when the uh, when the Now album came out. Got to number 4 and was the first of uh, 3 remixes of their old tracks, but that was the only one that was a big hit.
1: It's a great song anyway and it's made i think even better by this remix carol kenyon's vocal seems so much more controlled and it's like weird because it's the same yeah so whether they got hold of the original takes and and you know had a different one or processed it differently i don't know but the overall effect is really fantastic i think this this does really benefit by the progress that's been made in electronic sounds it seems like they've really done a job on this yeah and-
0: yeah i agree it's exactly what a remix should be they've taken the constituent elements of the original song and made it as you say sound like something different and unique and i do prefer the remix too actually this was heaven 17's opportunity to actually finally credit carol kenyon so it's nice that they failed to bother for a second time
1: well we have so they we have
0: because we're nice yes all right carol we are send your thanks to the usual places and now it's time for some more triple A action as we do some Ashley Abram applause because it's Heaven 17 followed by East 17. It had to be done, really, didn't it? It's House of Love.
1: Here's a band that, unlike SL2, they did actually take their name from their postcode. Uh, Britain's Answer to New Kids. At the time, you obviously had to choose, didn't you, Uh, as a uh, teenage girl? You had to choose between Take That or East 17. Which one were you? I, not being a teenage girl, didn't have to make that choice, but I, I chose anyway, just for the hell of it. And I was fairly and squarely in the East 17 camp at this stage. I thought their songs were way better way more exciting I'm not a massive fan of the chav look but uh, that I think their look was better than uh, take that's and certainly as a marketing entity they nailed e 17 much better and um, whilst there are two band members who are very much Ken Tony Mortimer I thought was pretty much a genius at the time uh, a funny guy a funny front man and in as much, uh, I, know, I know he was credited with writing the songs. I think he certainly had a, a hand in them. Uh, whether it was exclusively his writing, we, we'll possibly never know. But the songs that E17 knocked out were absolutely brilliant pop songs and song, sung with an attitude, and, uh, and it was a marketing man's dream.
0: Well, House of Love, I think, still sounds brilliant. Uh, I'm not saying all their songs do and we'll be covering many more uh, in the now albums to come but uh, House of Love is a kind of mission statement if you like for the first release and as you say there was a lot of marketing I mean let's not forget Tom Watkins was their manager and we all know how good he is at marketing stuff I mean it took him to make the Pet Shop Boys really big um, not that I'm saying they don't have any talent because of course Neil and Chris do immensely um, less so the Goss Brothers but they were under his wing as well and this is uh, this is a similar, similar thing and and um, House of Love... Quite prescient really, given that it's about the environment. Um, exactly how much of that came from Tony Mortimer's mind. I think probably quite a lot of it did, to give him his due. And I think if you plotted a graph of E seventeen and take that quality, they would kind of meet in the middle. If you did a plot of quality of songs over time, they kind of meet in the middle somewhere. Take that start becoming good at roughly the same point when E seventeen became completely rubbish.
1: It was the point at which E seventeen dropped the most of their east bit and just became e 17 i think it was
0: even before that because if you think about when back for good came out which as we previously said is the kind of the the point where take that started becoming worth listening to e17 had just released probably um what would it have been thunder or do you still or one of those kind of later tracks that were kind of all right but nothing special Mm.
1: yeah yeah then it's perfect isn't it you, you always have one good boy band it's just you need to switch between the two
0: yeah whereas our next act had very much released uh, all their good stuff by this point and therefore track seven on disc two is going to get that award
1: yes it's time for the neil warnock for now 23 and it goes to the farm And immediately you're going to think, but surely, surely the farm can't possibly have done something that is less deserving to be on here than novelty acts.
0: Billy Ray Cyrus.
1: Dead people. But no, they did because they covered... Don't you want me, the human links song. It's a bunch of Scousers who've gone over the Pennines to Sheffield, nicked a classic, run back down the M62, ripped the engine and all the fancy equipment out of it, and left the poor thing on four bricks in the side street in Toxteth, and they should be ashamed. This is an absolutely terrible waste of space, and I cannot believe that they are happy with it, I cannot believe that the Human League are happy with it, and I can't believe that anyone who heard it would have gone, Do you know what? I really need this in my life when there's a perfectly acceptable original version that I could go and listen to. No one's going to prefer to listen to this, and therefore it should not exist. It shouldn't be on here, and it's having the Warnock rammed so far up it that it'll hurt.
0: I, I can't disagree with that, I mean it, it's, it's got no place existing, it's certainly got no place on this Now album, because it just scraped the top 20, so that you know from, from chart positions alone it doesn't need to be here the biggest problem I have with this, and actually not just this song, but um, all of the songs that were released from Ruby Tracks, which is what this was recorded for, in case you don't know what Ruby Tracks is, it was um, an album put out by the NME to celebrate uh, what it would have been 40 years of the singles chart, they got current artists to record old number one songs. Now, I Know You Own Tracks, and there's some brilliant stuff on there. You've got Mark Olmond covering Like a Prayer. This is just off the top of my head. You've got Curve doing I Feel Love, which is unexpectedly brilliant. You've got Ned Atomic Dustbin doing a comedy rave version of I've Never Been to Me. And you've got Vic Reeves doing an even more comedy version of Vienna, which of course wasn't a number one, that being the reason why he chose to record it. There's so much good stuff on there. The singles that they released from that album were, in order... Danny Minogue, Show You The Way To Go, a number one that most people probably wouldn't even remember being number one, uh, this, and then uh, the Mannix doing Suicide Is Painless, which is all right, but none of those three are decent singles from the vast wealth of material they could have chosen.
1: It's a specialist track, if you like. It's it's It has its place on another album, and that album is Ruby Tracks. It then doesn't need to be taken from there, its natural home, and shoved on it particularly when it's so utterly
0: terrible yeah and, and and considering you can't get ruby tracks now for um much change under a five uh, five or fifty pounds i think it goes for these days and sometimes more uh, it's very hard to get hold of the only tracks that appear off it on compilations will be the singles which is this well the danny minogue one probably doesn't appear anywhere i don't think but this one and the manics obviously appear on compilations from time to time um not so much now but they did it the, did then um that's the only way you're going to get any tracks off that album now and what a shame that it's this when it could have been something brilliant
1: oh i'm just gonna i just gonna mentally just for a moment i think the listener should join with me as well just for a moment just think about vic reeves and the belgian police
0: (laughs) if you've never heard that please try and seek it out it'll be somewhere on youtube or something
1: let's move on to track eight now and um undercover never let her slip away the old uh, andrew gold song
0: yeah from the 70s this would usually seem appalling but after the previous song the one thing that the farm do um have an effect on is that this one doesn't seem quite as bad as it really is um it was a pre-release again but almost guaranteed to go top 10 given that baker street had already come out and been big um that didn't appear here it uh, turned up on now dance 92 instead um and KWS get a lot of flack for supposedly paving the way for loads of 70s covers. But if you've listened to our first podcast, you'll know there were two 70s covers on Now 21 back to back. So I don't think KWS can be blamed for that as such. They can be blamed for introducing that kind of plinky plonk keyboard sound that is all over this undercover song and which makes it sound incredibly dated.
1: Yeah, incredibly dated. And I've got very, very little else to add. So instead of me trying to think of something else like that, We should go away and think about Vic Reeves still. Let's just do that some more. Take That or e 17. Which were you? Howard Donald, you were in Take That, okay? We've played a couple of good remixes. Can you think of any others? And has anyone got any salmon? Sorted. More suggestions of made-up Cockney rhyming slang that The Shaman can include in future tracks, please, to Oblong Desk on Facebook, Twitter or the website. Still loads to come, including Noakes Body Shaming, who we rather ungraciously called Thunder Thighs at the time. I have a teenage crush flashback moment. Uh, I I was probably, uh, under different circumstances, in different life, going to marry Vanessa Paradine. Plus the regular features. Look what you could have won. More Ashley Abraham applause and our tracks of the album. It's all on Oblong Desk, where right now we're going to play Tetris. Yes, I know, that works on two levels. That's why you're the one listening and I'm the one saying stuff. to dig this
0: that is track nine on this two of now 23 it's tetris by dr spin a song that we played a lot at the time on our student radio station in a kind of comedy, ironic way. Would we want to do that now, do you think?
1: Uh, Tetris has survived remarkably well as a game, and it's actually an original Russian folk song called uh and the most remarkable version of this if you do still want to listen to other versions of this if, if us playing that wasn't enough for you there's a version of this uh, by a Dutch orchestra and choir and they do an entire evening of computer games music and their version of this is phenomenal
0: I will check it out
1: this version which is, actually does have some classical heritage as well because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber who is the uh, guy behind Doctor Spin.
0: And Nigel Wright, who I think was, as well as being a music producer, I think was something to do with the theatre as well.
1: I still really like it, but then I, I quite like Tetris as well. It's all right to hear
0: comedy songs like that once in a while. However... Do we really need two in a row? I think this was such an obvious segue on the album that we're not give, dishing out any triple A applause here. Uh, track 10.
1: He's got to work hard for his clap, has He's got to work hard,
0: he? yeah. Uh, track 10, Super Mario Land, Ambassadors of Funk, featuring MC Mario. Another pre-release, this one, so not guaranteed to be a hit, but then again, Tetris already had been, so I suppose it was likely that this would get in the top 10 as it did. The rapper, credited as MC Mario, is in fact... Einstein who rapped on some very credible stuff um only a few years before this being an awfully long way from doing mega blast with Bomb the Bass I would say
1: absolutely this was filmed the video for it at Chessington World of Adventures and it's possibly the lamest (laughs) thing to happen there apart from the stick insect display is it really (laughs) truly horrendous this song everything that's kind of like cool about Tetris is not cool about this they're trying too hard you know, very similar to when people take Ninja Turtles and try and have hits with them. This is just even worse than that. Because it's like if you think about street youth who are going out and doing their things in their cars and in the evenings and scaring grannies and that kind of stuff. And that then, So, like, the verses are all about that. And then they put on ding, ding, ding and you think there's nothing scary about mario
0: there ain't no place like super mario land apparently um of course um Uh, as you know there is
1: though isn't there yes there is there's Chessington World of Adventures
0: and as you know there was another computer game song released even later in the year than that which in my opinion beats those two into a cocked hat that's called Supersonic by HWA featuring Sonic the Hedgehog let me tell you it's quite magnificent but as it didn't get inside the top 30 there was no chance it was ever going to appear on a Now album sadly
1: They had the best name, certainly. I mean, Dr. Spin's quite good. Mm. Ambassadors of Funk featuring MC Mario's rubbish. HWA, Hedgehogs with Attitude. That's the one, yes.
0: Let's not forget that. Check it out if you've never heard it. It is is genuinely, I think, a very good song produced by Jeremy Healy, who was... uh, part of hazy fantasy and later had dance tracks himself which i think we'll be covering later on actually um let's move on though shall we on to track 11 how do you do mate
1: Uh, yes that's disappointing the end of our computer game section um roxette who i was still am a very big fan of and i think it's always good when they let pear do a bit of singing because in common with most Scandinavian boy-girl combos, of which there are a few, the boys cannot sing unilaterally. Across the board, you've got people like, obviously, ABBA, Sugar Cubes, I can think of as well, Aqua. Are we counting them as Scandinavian? Yeah, yeah they are. They are. And, and Roxette. None of the boys can sing, but they always a bit like when they used to let Ringo have a sing on the Beatles stuff the results are usually spectacular when the boys get in front of the microphone and uh pear from the very first moments when he sees people combing their hair you know you're in for a, a fantastic ride uh, and marie rescues it in the chorus it's their rocky one as we were discussing rocks have two songs the fast one and the slow one and the fast one is usually a lot of fun and this one yeah i still like it
0: yeah, I I do too. I I think I think I have to say and declare here that I like it because of, not despite, the fact that Pear sings it in an extremely pervy voice. <laughs> So there you go. That's, that's my verdict. And it's time to bring out the A's. Ashley Abram applause because, yes, Let's do some more. we have another Scandinavian group. After that one, we go from Roxette into ABBA with Dancing Queen re-released, unsurprisingly, because ABBA Gold was out.
1: Yeah, we don't need to talk about Dancing Queen. Everyone knows it. Everyone's heard it. We can add absolutely nothing to the pantheon of knowledge that there is about ABBA.
0: And it's a triple-triple-A because from ABBA we go into Bjorn again. Now, the thing is, Bjorn again did a magnificent parody of ABBA and... In this instance, the reason why they're here is they did an erasure-ish EP. Not sure why it was called an EP. It was only two tracks, so that's just a single, isn't it, really? But they called it an EP, and obviously erasure-ish parodying the fact that they're done Abbaresque. And Stop was a brilliant track, because they did the erasure cover combined with uh Does Your Mother Know? By Abba, they kind of mixed the two and made a brilliant um version of it, their own. Unfortunately, that isn't the song on here. For reasons best known to himself, Mr. Abram decided to go with a little respect, which is much more of a traditional cover and is frankly a little bit boring really.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's just a dull track. I think it's worse than that. I think it's really quite painful. Although you can see why it's on here, uh, as you discussed. Here we go. We've got ABBA, and then we've got an ABBA's cover band doing a cover of a band that had done some ABBA covers, and eventually it all disappears up itself. We end up with nothing, and the time stops.
0: And and for an album that actually does quite well for big hits and picking tracks that were, on the most part, at least in the top 20, this only got to number 25. So it it's not really necessary as you say nice to have but probably the least consequential song on the album
1: instead of worrying about that too much what I'm now going to do is gaze into the middle distance and think about track 14 Vanessa Parody.
0: 14 on disc two of now 23 Be My Baby by Vanessa Parody and uh, John's lost I think staring off into the middle distance still a bit like On Vogue on the previous album this was the one that stopped her being a one hit wonder we thought she'd never come back again and have any hits and four years after, the, well a bit more than four years after her first hit here she is with another one thanks to Lenny Kay. are you, are you there mate?
1: Still Come on. Still, do you know what?
0: Go and look at a picture of John uh, Lee Hooker yeah. or something. Oh,
1: that's that, that's got me back in the room. Yeah, I I was probably uh, under different circumstances, in different life, going to marry Vanessa Paradis. Just. Being you know required me meeting her and uh, charming her and all that lot uh, she also sings very well i'm probably no judge of anything as to whether this is a good song or not i do like it i mean you know it's kitschy and 60s e and she floats around and does her thing in the video i'm still a bit unnecessary about vanessa i'm afraid
0: well i i think it's i think it's a good song still sounds good today didn't quite revive her career because she came out with a follow-up called sunday mondays which i think we played a fair bit at university but um was a bit wishy-washy to be honest you can see why this was very much it and i think probably not unconnected was the fact that i think lenny kravitz didn't go out with her for very much longer after this did he
1: no this was very much one of those Martika prince type collaborations wasn't it where you weren't just popping into the recording studio.
0: Very similar, actually, yeah. now, now you come to mention it.
1: However, still a marvellous song, and she's still a fundamentally lovely human being.
0: What a lovely woman she is. So let's move on to another lo- lovely ladies. Uh two ladies. Diddly did diddle. Let's not go there. Um, track fifteen, let's hear some of this. Betty Boo, and let me take you there. Rest the assured you know I'll
1: we'll have a good- There's Betty Boo. Um, Let me take you there. Uh, It's track 15 that we've just played you there on disc two. So uh, as I say, by now into what would otherwise be serious knockings, but there's still plenty to go. Listener, don't you worry. Uh, This one, a hugely popular song down at URM when we were playing this. And Boo in her sunshine, happy stage. She's not trying to be cool anymore. She's just going, oh, it's a nice sunny day. And it's a nice, sunny song. It mm,
0: does also rhyme shampers with Pamper, which is a bit poor, but we'll let that pass. It is It is a summer song. It's a bit weird to have it on an album that would be, you know, on everybody's CD player, record player, whatever, at Christmas. But it's a good tune, and it's nice to have it here because it was her last hit. It was the only hit off her second album. And, of course, it contains some four tops, and anything that samples the four tops is generally all right by me.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Tell you what, we haven't done this before, listener, but we're gonna do it now. We're going to play three tracks in a row.
0: Is <laughs> it a superstar triple play? Would you say?
1: If you want me to, it's our superstar triple play. I
0: sat on the mountainside with peace of no An ass chained and bound to you damn, damn. we shall So that was track 16, Damn I Wish I Was Your Lover, by Sophie B. Hawkins, who we rather um, ungraciously called Thunder Thighs at the time, because, I mean, her thighs were quite big, but uh, you shouldn't hold that against anybody.
1: No, absolutely not. And subsequently, uh, many years later, she was at one of the lesser-known festivals, G-Fest which appears in guildford actually they didn't do too bad aha uh-huh, we're headlining it but she was on in like sort of middle of the afternoon slot and did this and right beside you and another couple of songs that were less well known but absolutely fantastic and um thighs in perfectly good working order That's good to hear. not not at all thunderous in the actual flesh uh i think this is a fantastic song and i think she's a fantastic human being i was very we didn't go specifically to see her we went to see our heart and bizarrely Gary Newman was also (laughs) on that bill
0: eclectic it's one of those that kind of potted up the chart here's a nice chart fact for you that I always like to reel off whenever this is uh, brought up in conversation this went 17 16 15 14 on the chart in consecutive weeks and there aren't many songs that have done that and no I haven't checked because that would involve going through Fifty, was it sixty? Now years of chart history, and uh, I haven't got the time.
1: Track seventeen, <laughs> yeah, digging in the dirt. Peter Gabriel. Um, do you know there's about thirty seconds of this that are all right—that that kind of pre-chorusy bit that has echoes of Sledgehammer in it. Yeah, and then there's vast swathes of this song that's just instruments that he's left playing by themselves, and. Uh, yeah.
0: It's a, it's just a total dirge. I mean, it's, it's there because, again, he was Virgin EMI um, label material and he'd traditionally had songs on now albums in the 80s um, and therefore, you know, it was a bit of a comeback, wasn't it? First big hit after so, actually, thinking about it. Um, and so, therefore, they put it on, but it's nothing to say. It's just an immensely tedious noise, really. And
1: I think you can as we've alluded to earlier, compare and contrast with uh, Genesis's hardly new front band by this stage, but they certainly made the right choice, did Genesis, uh, in terms of which drummer they had. Um, track 18 is Enya, Book of Days.
0: Yeah, again, it's kind of there. <laughs> it wafts over you, as Enya of songs often do, but there's not much more to say.
1: She's like the precursor of Dido, isn't she? Sort of, here's a CD that you can safely buy your mum and she can stick on and it'll be okay.
0: Yes, agreed. Um, track 19's a bit better, I think, a bit more interesting. Roy Orbison and KD Lang doing crying together. That's rather nice, I think.
1: It is, yes. Now, uh, last time we had some Orbison, there was confusion. This is definitely him and K D Lang doing a cover. Yes. Yes, he's covering himself.
0: Yeah, that, to clarify, was recorded before he died just in case that was confusing anybody again.
1: Right, so he's definitely alive, and definitely... Was he with KD Lang when they recorded this together, do we know?
0: I don't think so. I think they were apart, and um, I don't think they recorded it together. I think it might be the time when Roy Orbison was off getting his picture taken, looking exactly like Peter Cook for the uh, Guinness Book of Hit Singles. I could be wrong.
1: But not, to be clear, one of those awful things they do these days where they dig up dead Holograms, person's recordings yeah. <laughs> and get people to sing along to dead people and pretend that they're there because that's just freaky.
0: Yeah, that, that yeah, agreed. This this is altogether a nicer experience I think it has to be said. And are we going to do a minor triple a because from one duet to another uh, and, and one dead one al- uh, uh, a dead one, one dead alive. person yeah, in each yeah. yeah um so track 20 is the last one on this album and you can't really say this normally so you have to almost say it like freddie does barcelona with uh, Montserrat Caballé, of course done for
1: the olympics
0: yes remember that remember when people used to turn up and do lots of events all at the same time and it would be on to, yeah the olympics the
1: olympics we we may never have one of those again
0: this was of course re-released because it was the barcelona olympics at the time
1: yeah and oh what a song what a way to end the album as well if you can imagine you've plowed your way through 39 tracks uh then this which is just belted out um she's a uh, professional opera singer isn't she and you kind of feel like it's it's a real shame that freddie wasn't around to do this with her properly because it's just beautiful
0: it's a good yeah it's a good it's a good song and as you say it's a brilliant way to end the album you can't wish for a a better flourish really for the end of the album um got to number eight when it came out first time and it was on the now album then as well um this time it was number two so um a big hit as well even though it's a re-release i think that's an absolutely fine way to end this collection
1: so there it is we've covered all the tracks all the 39 tracks on now 23 but there were some that didn't make it let's look what you could have won Noakes. what have you got for me to replace some of the more Deadwood.
0: It was... A bit tricky this time. I think um, Mr. Abram did a pretty good job rounding up the songs that could have been on there. As we've already said, the two number ones that were missing were never going to be on there because they were Sony artists. I've got eight for you. Two turned up on Now Dance 92, so we can cover those first because they did make an appearance. KWS, Rock Your Baby, it was only on the Alpine cassette of Now Dance 92, didn't make the CD, and connected by stereo MCs. Now, either of those could have also made Now 23 don't think we're that sad about kws being missing but stereo mcs would have been a nice choice i think
1: stereo mcs was a very very big student hit i'd be happy to have that on there uh, or as you say on a future now kws yeah whatever
0: From the very early part of the songs that would have been eligible for this Now album, we've got the wet, wet, wet song that you like. I know this for a fact, Lip Service. Not a a massive hit, only number 15, but that could have sneaked on here, considering we had songs as far back as February on here.
1: I do like that one, and I like it because it's a bit more funky and it's uh, not a ballad. That's almost like that Scottish soul-funk vibe thing that they, them and Curiosity do.
0: Well, that's how they started out, of course, doing stuff like that with Wishing I Was Lucky, but... uh, but they had as you yeah. say got bogged down in the in the ballads by this point
1: so a nice return to form yes just for a bit of wet 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 variety we could consider that one
0: the big dance track from kind of late summer i think that wasn't on here is felix don't you want me number six hit great song i think that's a big miss for this
1: yeah felix uh elements of which were to become faithless later on in life yep. it's one of those dance tracks that really has that pedigree so, again, a strong contender.
0: Yeah, here's another, I think. Surprising that this was missed off, given that she and her band had been on Now albums before. In fact, she was on the, the last one we covered. Annie Lennox, Walking on Broken Glass, a top ten hit. Um, one of those where if you pick this up and think, oh, this covers the end of 92, it's bound to be on there, you're almost surprised that it's not,
1: really. I am almost surprised that it's not, but you know what? I am kind of of the opinion that there's too much honey Lennox in this world.
0: Uh, I, I think it's all right. Um, we mustn't make the Lennox angry, of course. You never know what may happen. Well,
1: yes, yes. It, it
0: is surprising that it's not yeah. on here.
1: I got fed up with it at the time, so I don't need it back in my life.
0: I think you're going to say no to this one, but given that we've had Kylie considered for the last one and was actually on the first one we covered, Kylie, what kind of fool... What do you think about that one? Only number 14 but uh, I kind of like it but it's a bit something of nothing I suppose. Uh,
1: I think when you've got artists like Kylie who have such a huge back catalogue then the mega fans should be the ones that search out the more obscure stuff and they can do that on their own time. Now is all about populism and capturing the zeitgeist of that moment in history and a sort of you know fairly unremarkable Kylie song. Who needs it?
0: okay yeah i think i'd agree with that um something that probably should have been on there and again like felix maybe they couldn't get the rights dr alban it's my life a number two hit one of the biggest hits of this period that this now album covers that isn't there
1: and a song that has stood the test of time that people do remember and is still being played today i'll not personally be championing its cause to be included but you are right it's one of those ones that is very surprising that it's not on Mm.
0: and finally we mentioned them earlier and i think they would have been candidates for this one potentially take that a million love songs it was a top 10 hit it was very popular with the general public. It's a bit of a surprise that it's not on here. But there aren't anywhere near as many ballads on this one as there were on the previous album. So maybe that's why it was left off.
1: They're still not hitting the heights that they need for me. And and you know what? At this time, they weren't particularly hitting the heights for anybody. Really. Oh, I don't
0: know. I, I remember when we went out to do that roadshow and Meet Our Public, um in the market square in nottingham there were people who had bought take that single and asked us to play it and we weren't playing it so i think i mean yes they were mainly young girls i suppose but um it's it's a kind of borderline one i guess for inclusion
1: okay well we'll put it on the borderline then
0: so out of those eight which one i suppose we can do it as we have done before which one are you surprised isn't on there which one would you like on there
1: i'm going to say dr alban is the biggest surprise it's still of those ones you mentioned it's the one that still gets played the most today so i think it deserves to be on there for that personally speaking oh i'm torn i'm torn i'm going to say felix
0: okay okay I'm almost in agreement. I think, as I've already said, uh, there are times when I look at this album and think Annie Lennox surely must be on there and then remember, oh no, it isn't. So when I've got to go and find it to play it on one of my shows, I have to then poodle off and find a different album, which is slightly annoying. So I would go for Annie Lennox, as in surprised it's not on here, but totally in agreement with should have been on here, Felix.
1: So... Time to pick our favourites, and it's a tough one this time, partly because he's given us so many to choose from, but also because genuinely there are some songs that I absolutely would not want to get rid of from my collection on here. The silliness in me, says Vanessa Parody, that's for other reasons, that's not musical reasons. So I'm going to grow up for just a moment, and it's now down to two, uh, one of which is a kind of obvious one, and one of which is not obvious. And so therefore, Shaman, I'm sorry you miss out, but it was oh so close. The one I'm taking with me is Little Angels, Too Much Too Young, uh, because no one else will again. And, and I feel wow. that I just dis- I'd be very disappointed if that was to never be played again. So uh, yeah, Little Angels, Too Much Too Young that is my song that i'm taking off now 23 how about you
0: yeah it's an unusual one i wasn't expecting that i think in the spirit of blimey did that really happen which have been kind of consistent in my choices so far i think i'm going to go for was not was shake your head because i remember just absolutely loving it at the time and it still sounds really odd and i'm just really glad that it made it because was not was did have quite a lot of hits uh, and even walk the dinosaur didn't make a standard now album though it was on one of the um here's lots of hits from the year that they released later um so yeah was not was shake your head for me i think
1: a fine choice and uh, and fitting i think that we've picked two completely bizarre songs to take with us
0: and songs by bands that were never on now albums ever again so we can't pick them again even if we wanted to so that kind of concludes this doesn't it really we're um we're, we're moving forward into the heady spring of 1993 with now 24 next if you would care to join us
1: i'll be looking forward to that meanwhile if there's anything that we've talked about on our show today that you think that's wrong no, they need to sort themselves out or equally you want to vehemently agree with us and go yes you're absolutely right about hwa get in touch at the oblong desk on twitter you can find us on facebook as well uh, there's a page there that you can search for i think you probably search for oblong desk but who knows how facebook's search engine works let's find out shall we give it a go or at our podcast website which is oblongdesk.podbean.com But until next time, ta-ra! Bye! Oblong Desk is written, produced, and presented by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. Get in touch via Facebook and Twitter and like, follow, and share to help spread the word. And subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the button that's there on your screen right now. Go on, do it!